said, no. He said, well, I was going to get you to preach for me. I said, I can be there. I changed my plans. And so we're just so glad to be with one of my favorite daughters. I've got two favorite daughters. Both of them are here today. And uh, the other one just walked in. She stuck her ear in when I said favorite daughter. She was out in the hall, but she come back in. She didn't want to hear me preach, but she wanted to hear me say favorite daughter. Amen. I'm glad Carla's able to be here today. And Sister Green, good to be with you. Love y'all. I love this church. I tell you, this is a good church. You guys, I, I just get so amazed that all of these programs that you guys are um, winning Austin, loving Austin, I, I just it just amazes me that you guys donate your time, you donate your food and your money and your resources. Uh, I, I, that just amazes me. I've been bragging about y'all other places. I've been letting people know what y'all are doing. And uh, I'm bragging on you a little bit. And I think my pastor in Tyler is nervous. He's, he's afraid I'm going to move over here. Amen. And we're dear friends. I love them very much. But he's, he's a little nervous. He thinks we're going to move over here. And we may. I'm going to keep him in suspense. I'm going I'm to leave that alone. If we get to move, uh, we'll enjoy coming over here. And that may work in our future. I don't know. Right now, I am classified as an evangelist. I just got reclassified. When I retired, I, I was really worn out. We were having a lot of health issues. I was burned out, wore out, and sick. And people said, are you going to evangelize? I said, no, I'm retired. I'm going I'm to enjoy retirement. But now about two years of resting up, I have decided that I like preaching out more than I like sitting around. And so we're, we're starting to travel. And uh, if y'all want me to come back, just hint to your pastor, and he'd schedule me more often. Now, if you don't want me to come back, don't say anything to him. But if you want me to come back, uh, just put a little bug in his ear, and I hope he's watching this today. Why don't y'all turn around and wave at Brother Green? Wave at him. Amen. I hope he's having a good time with those young men, and I think some of you older guys are going to go this evening. I hope y'all have a good time and just have some great fellowship. I want to turn your attention to the Word of God, uh, Exodus chapter 11. I'm sure also glad to have my traveling companion with me. Um, she's following me right now. Sometimes I follow her. Sometimes I'm her chauffeur. I drive her. She goes and speaks, but today it's my turn. And um, she tells me all the time I'm her favorite preacher. And I said to her one time, it's been a while, but I remember saying it. I said, well, you don't have much ambition, do you, if I'm your favorite? But I love my wife. I appreciate her being here. And the Lord said unto Moses, 
Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. You got to you got to understand. There was more than just a miracle of God parting the Red Sea and getting them out of Egypt. You got to understand these carnal people that had been treating the Jews like well, they were slaves, treated them ungodly, treated them horribly, and the Lord said, "Go borrow jewels of gold and silver." Can you imagine how they felt? Borrow from them, these people that have treated us so bad. And the Lord gave the people favor. I'm going to tell you, what they were talking about today right up here on this platform, if you want favor with God, you obey his word, you give according to his plan, and God will turn on the favor spout. And when he turns on favor, blessings are going to come. You're going to be blessed. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. And then one verse in Proverbs 22 and 7. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now what I want to preach this morning is you cannot borrow a relationship with God. You borrow a lot of things, but you cannot borrow a relationship with God. Would you lift your hands and ask God to bless the word today? Lord, I'm praying for your anointing on the word. I'm praying, God, that you would strengthen our body Strengthen our minds, our hearts, and our spirits today. Let your word have an impact on us, God. I pray that conviction would be here. I pray that a repentant heart would be here. And I pray that lives would be touched this morning. And I'm praying that somebody will get what I'm preaching today. And it will make a difference in their life. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. You can be seated. The word borrow is found eight times in the King James Version of the Bible. Two times God instructed Israel to borrow jewels of silver and jewels of gold from the Egyptians. In Exodus 22 and 14, we find that God told Israel, and if a man borrow aught of his neighbor... And it be hurt or it die, the owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. 
So the Lord gives us instruction. You really need to take care of it, and you need to make it good if you break it or lose it. In Deuteronomy 15 and 6 and Deuteronomy 12, God said, Thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. Because God did not want Israel to be ruled by any nation because of the debt when they borrowed. And in 2 Kings 4 and 3, Elisha told the widow, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. In Matthew 5 and 41, Jesus said, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. Not much in the Bible about borrowing. Not much about borrowing is positive. And I want you to think about right now the contents of your house, your garage, your storage building. Is there anything in those locations that doesn't belong to you that you borrowed from somebody? And I'm starting to feel conviction moving in here right now. Have you ever borrowed something from somebody? It belongs to somebody else. And you forgot to take it back. And I wonder if they also forgot about it. Or maybe they're thinking, you hypocrite, you. I thought you were my brother. I thought you were my sister. I thought you were my friend. And they're actually waiting on you to bring it back. How do you feel when someone asks you to borrow something? We think, oh, no. And the reason we feel that way is because people just don't take care of your property like they take care of their own. And some people don't even take care of their own property. My brother Tommy, some of you have met him, had a real nice Parker Hale 270 deer rifle. And a man came to him one time and asked him to borrow that gun so that he could go elk hunting in Colorado. This guy was kind of big and he was a little bit clumsy and he was up walking in the mountains of Colorado and he tripped and he fell. And that gun broke right in two. I mean, right in the middle of the stock, it just broke off. And he came back to my brother with two pieces of that gun, one in each hand. And he looked at him and he said, I sure am sorry, Brother Tommy. And he gave him the gun and walked away. Well, I'll tell you, my brother has never loaned anybody else another gun. And I don't blame him. You know, because... You borrow something, if you don't take care of it, according to the word of God, you're supposed to make it right. You're supposed to uh, replenish it or repay or 
uh, somehow restore that item that you took. A few years ago, a close friend of ours, Larry Porter, found out about Tommy's gun. I think Tommy had that gun in his closet for about 30 years. Never shot it in 30 years. It was in two pieces in his closet. Larry heard about it, and he said, Tommy, bring me that gun. I believe I can get a stock for it. And so Tommy took the gun to him, and a couple of months later, we was at a gun show, and Larry brought that gun to my brother. And I'll never forget when my brother walked up, and Larry put that gun in his arms. I, my brother's mouth and eyes came wide because he didn't just put a stock on that gun. He put a new Nikon, brand new Nikon scope on it. It had some rust, and he had a brand new Parkerized finish put on the metal. He put in a 300 and something dollar adjustable trigger and he looked at Tommy and said, this is yours because I know that that bothered you the way that man did you and I want you to know that everybody's not like that and my brother just broke down and started crying. The word borrow means to take or obtain with the promise to return the same or the equivalent. In other words, if you can't afford to buy it, don't borrow it. Because if you lose it or you break it, you should replace it. Now here's some facts about the borrower. The thing that is borrowed does not belong to the borrower. The thing borrowed did not cost the borrower anything. The thing borrowed has no sentimental value to the borrower. The borrower usually does not take good care of the thing that he borrows. The thing borrowed has to be returned, but sometimes the borrower is slow to return the item and may even forget about it and never return it. Things that you and I cannot borrow is a relationship with God. You cannot live on somebody else's relationship. You're not going to live on my worship or Sister Green's worship or anybody else's worship. You cannot borrow praise and worship. It has to come from deep inside of yourself. You cannot borrow faithfulness and submission. You cannot borrow honesty, integrity, and character. You cannot borrow holiness and righteousness. You cannot borrow passion and a burden and a love for lost souls that are going to hell. You cannot borrow salvation. You cannot borrow more time to live on this earth. You cannot borrow the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot borrow grace and mercy and faith in God. You cannot 
borrow a ticket in the rapture and you cannot borrow eternal life. Honey, if you're going to make it in the rapture, if you're going to live for God, it's because you have got an experience that's going to carry you to the next level. Can you give me just a little monitor? I personally think there are four levels of relationship with God. Level four, this relationship, this level of relationship, the person recognizes that there is a God. God is real. But they feel like God is so big and so complicated to understand. He may have a plan for our lives, but it's probably too busy for me and my life, so I don't bother him in level four. Then there's level three. This person believes in God. He believes that God does love him. He believes that God wants to save him, so he makes up his mind to try to live a life of doing good things and doing enough good things that he overrides the bad things. And maybe God will save him because he's doing more good things than he is bad things. Then there's level two. This person believes in God, obeys God's plan for salvation, and desires to go to heaven, but is really, really busy. He desires to pray, but... He desires to be used of God, but he would like to read the Bible, but, oh, I'd love to fast, but I desire to be submitted and holy and dedicated and give God my time and energy, but would love to forgive people and have all of that hurt feelings and that repentance that Brother Green was talking about Wednesday night. But he loves to go to church and feel God's presence and know they need to make time for God in their relationship. But there's always something to stop them from going to the next level. And then there's level one. This person believes in God, obeys God's plan for salvation, desires to go to heaven, prays, reads the word of God. He knows how to fast, knows how to worship, knows how to give. He serves God. He puts God as number one in his life. He loves people, loves God's church. He submitted, loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Level one, my friend, is where I am trying to be today. Level one is where I want to make it my priority to serve the Lord. And if we can't reach that level, we're going to struggle at every other level. But if we can ever get God as number one in our life, if we can ever allow God to be first priority, I'm telling you, honey, God is waiting for us to open up that door of faithfulness and love for Him. 
There are four essential steps in our relationship with God. There must be, number one, genuine confession. If there's one thing which is more essential than anything else in our relationship with God, it's honesty. That's why confession is so important. When we come before God, we come admitting who we are and what we have done. When King David sinned, he prayed, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and I know my sin is always before me, and against you only have I sinned, and I have done what is evil in your sight. And he said, just forgive me, Lord, set me free from that. This is a great prayer found in Psalms 51 because it is an honest prayer. Today, psychology has become the new religion for many people. Instead of admitting our guilt, we analyze our guilt and we qualify our guilt. We figure out why we're not guilty because of what someone else has done to us. We're not guilty by reason of insanity. That is not just a plea for criminals. It's an excuse that ordinary people use all the time when it comes to living for God. They say, I'm not responsible for what I have done because of the psychological and emotional scars from my past. But let me tell you something true. Confession means that I understand that I was wrong, that I what I did was sin. I confess it. I realize I messed up. I'm not making excuses for my past I'm facing it head on and I'm admitting I need help from God I need victory I need deliverance in my life the second thing there must be genuine repentance confession means that I am honest to God about my sin repentance means I turn from that sin I abandon it and walk away from it I don't play with it. I don't don't go back and visit it. I run from it. I flee from my sin. I get rid of my past. I walk away from who I was and what I was. I don't hang around those people uh, that I used to do drugs with unless it's just to invite them to church or talk to them about the kingdom. And I want to have a witness to be with me and make sure I don't fall in sin. When you really get in it and you start living for God, you'll start making changes. And this guy looked like a, a, a biker a gang member when he first started coming down. He looks like a preacher. I'm going to tell you, it makes a difference. When you get in the church, when you get right with God, 
and don't just play games. Don't just come and, and, and sit and enjoy the worship and enjoy the singing. But I come to participate in the service. I come to give God some worship because I know where I came from. I know what I used to be. I know what I used to do. I was miserable. I was lost. I was hopeless. I didn't enjoy my life. But now that I come to God, I'm excited. I'm free. I'm happy. Happy. I've got hope. I've got joy. And that's where we're, that's where we are today. I walk. Repentance, you can be seated, is a military term meaning about face. It is a total change in our thoughts and behavior, how we think and how we act. Repentance is not just an emotional reaction. We may be full of sorrow for what we have done, and now we find our former behavior disgusting. New emotions have led us to new behavior. We act and live differently as a result of real repentance. There are no, are actually two words in the New Testament for repentance. One of them is melta manoma. And I know that helped you so much. Aren't you glad you heard that today? Find out that Greek word for repentance. Some of you probably not even going to go to lunch today. You're so excited about that new revelation. That word means that we regret what we have done. Anybody ever regretted what you've done? Well, you can go to our court systems, you can walk into our courtrooms, and you can see people facing uh, their charges and knowing they're going to spend some time in prison. Boy, they've got a change of heart. If I could just say I'm sorry and make it all right, and you're not going to do that in our court system. You're not going to say, I'm sorry, judge, I should have never done it. Jury, don't pay attention to what they're saying because I'm sorry. You just forgive me and let me go on. That will never happen in our judicial system. But when you come into the presence of God and you look at him and you say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. God says, okay, I forgive you. It's done. It's washed away. It'll never be thrown up to you again. I don't think we understand that because we did everybody would have been on their feet and screaming and hollering and saying thank you Jesus for that if we really believe that but when God forgives you honey it's not ever going to be brought up again you're never going to have God just bring it up and say but I remember what you did Woo, hallelujah we're sorry for the mess our lives are in. We're sorry over having been caught. We regret the consequences that our bad behavior and our poor decisions have brought about in our lives. But it does not necessarily mean that this result is a change of behavior. The other word for repentance, get ready, get your pens, metanoah, Noah. Aren't you excited about that? Can y'all interpret that? I didn't think so. That is 
Another word for repentance, it means that there is not only regret, there is change. There is an about face in our thinking and the way we live. There is a completely new way in which we think about sin and the way we think about God, the way we look at our future and the way we don't consider our past to be important anymore. Only our future is important and that's being right with God. Both concepts are used by Paul when he wrote in 2 Corinthians 7 and 10. He said, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow is not going to do a lot for us. But godly sorrow will change your past. It will change your present. It will change your future. It'll change your attitude. It'll change your spirit. It'll even change your marriage. It'll make a better person out of you. It'll make you love when you used to hate. It'll give you joy when you had nothing but hopelessness. I'm telling you, true repentance makes a new creature out of you. Lots of people regret the mess sin has brought into their lives, but they have no intention of changing the way they live. They think, or they still think, that sin is the only way to go. Sin equals fun to a lot of people. Living for God equals boring restrictions and limitations. Can I tell you, I don't feel that way. Brother Andrew, I don't feel that I am restricted and I'm all bound up by rules and regulations. Honey, I look at the world and I compare what I got and what I see in the world and I say I'm free indeed. If anybody is free, it's us Pentecostals. If anybody is free, it's those that are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. If anybody's free, it's those that said, I'm sorry, God, and heard God said, I forgive you. Real repentance is important because it determines whether or not we have a relationship with God. A company called Geniflex in Venice, Italy, recently manufactured a state-of-the-art confessional booth. That confessional booth sold for over 60, about $6,500. It had a sign to show whether it was occupied or vacant. It was finished in walnut with leather seating. It is soundproofed and can be equipped with a hygienic filter between the priest and the pennant. It even has airflow, its own air condition system and heating. It may have been manufactured in Italy, but boy, it sounds so American. We want to repent in comfort. We don't want there to be any inconvenience or embarrassment. 
We want repentance to be polite. We want repentance to be quick. And we want repentance to be easy. But repentance is never easy because it demands facing our sin so that there is a complete turnaround in our life. You can't hang on to sin. You can't hang on to your past and have victory and freedom. You got to let it go. You got to get rid of your past. You got to walk away from your past and let God make a new creature out of you. The third thing I want to bring out about this is there must be genuine faith. In James 2.17.18, NIV version, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Faith is not just declaring that I believe. Sometimes faith is seen by the way we live, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we treat people, it's called deeds. Sometimes children are diagnosed with ADD. You ever heard of ADD? Attention Deficit Disorder. It's a disorder in which children and even adults find it difficult to concentrate and are often unable to complete normal tasks because of it. They're so easily distracted that they cannot stick with any thoughts or anything very long. Perhaps we as the church have what I call IDD, intention deficit disorder. We intend to obey God. And live for him. We intend to be faithful. We intend to love God right. We intend to do the right things in our life. We intend to have a relationship. But we're so easily distracted by other things. That we fail to carry through our intentions. Number four. There must be a genuine obedience. Again, there are two dangers here. The first danger is those who realize they were saved by grace, but now they feel they have to keep their salvation by doing good works. Their ongoing relationship with God is based on their achievements. They never feel good enough because they think that they never quite satisfy God. And that's a dangerous place to be in. Because I'll tell you right now, you're never going to get good enough for God. You're never going to be perfect. You'll never reach perfection. You'll never learn it all. The day you die, you ought to still be trying to learn. You ought to still be trying to grow because you're never going to know it all. The second danger is those who say, oh, now I'm living for God by grace. 
It does not matter how I live. Obedience to God is the proof that our hearts have been changed by the grace of God. John wrote in 1 John 1 and 5, This is the message which we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, and if he is in the light, we have fellowship with one to another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. I ask you today, do you want to feel more connected to God? Develop a relationship with God. You can't borrow it. You cannot borrow these things. Do you want to feel like really part of the church you need to develop your relationship with God you want more freedom and less guilt in your life develop your relationship do you desire to be used of God in a greater dimension develop your relationship are you tired of feeling empty and unworthy discouraged and lonely Develop your relationship with God and it'll fix it. Are you tired of feeling guilty, defeated, and carnal? Work on your relationship with God. Are you tired of doing the wrong things, making wrong choices, getting bad results? Develop your relationship with God. Do you feel like you're weak and you keep falling into the same temptations? Work on your relationship. Do you want power in your life to do the right thing, to live right, to talk right, to think right, and to treat people right? Work on your relationship with God. Do you really want to be saved? Do you really want to go to heaven? Do you really want your family to go with you? Start working on your relationship and realize you cannot borrow a relationship. It's got to be here. It's got to be real. It's got to be all over you. It's got to be in your heart. Would you stand? In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were headed to the temple. The Bible says, for the hour of prayer, they were not going to the temple to repent and pray through or try to get a relationship with God. They already had one. So many times Pentecostals have to go to church because we got to pray through. We've got to use the altars for ourselves. And that's what they're for. We've got to have the altars. We'll always need the altars in the church. Not just for sinners, but also for saints. But can I tell you something, folks? We've got to get to a place in the kingdom of God where we're not spending all of our time trying to pray ourselves through, trying to get a relationship trying to get everything right between us and God where we can be used of Him.
if we're always fixing ourselves, we don't have time and energy to fix other people that are dying and are lost and are going to hell. When Peter and John heard that beggar asking for alms, they didn't have to say to him, we'd like to help you, but we got to go pray through. I'd like to do something for you, beggar. But you know, I, I just got to go get in the presence of God. It's been a while since I prayed. I was in church last Sunday, and you know, it's done, it's done bled out. It's done run off. Because there's a lot of people that try to make it on praying in church on Sunday and praying in church on Wednesday. I'm going to tell you, you can't build a relationship with God that way. Peter turned to John and said, let's go work on our relationship with God. Let us go pray a while. Let us go get right. Let us go to the altar and spend some time and get rid of the world. And we'll be able to come back and minister to you, beggar. Let us go work on our faith level. Let us go repent of our guilt and our sin. And we'll get back with you at a later time. Can I tell you, church, we don't have much time. We don't have time to go fix ourselves. We don't have time because God's going to put you in a position where somebody's going to need to hear from God and you've got to be sensitive. You've got to be sensitive. They didn't need time to prepare themselves to be used of God because they were prayed up already. They were, they were men of God. They knew how to walk in the Spirit. They prayed every day. They knew what God was doing because they watched Jesus Christ do the miracles and go through a death on the cross so that he could save the world. And they experienced that baptism of the Holy Ghost, that deliverance from sin. They were born again. They knew what God could do to those old carnal fishermen. And all they had to do is turn around and look at that guy and say, Silver and gold have we none. We don't have what you're really looking for here in material things. But they didn't stop there. He said, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Somebody's got to get this today. If you don't, Austin First Church is going to miss a lot of opportunities. You can't borrow a relationship. You can't, you can't borrow it. You can't just pick it up when you want it and lay it down when you don't want it. That relationship has got to be fire in your bones. It's got to be so real. And Brother Chris, when you walk up to somebody, and you're pretty good about it. I've watched you. you you're pretty adamant about, about witnessing to somebody. I believe you love souls. It's got, it's got to get inside of you. It's got to get inside of you. It's got to get inside of you 
that you have a relationship with him. That Austin First Church can be what God wants you to be. He wants this church to grow and have revival. He wants supernatural things to happen. God wants people delivered on the streets and in those meetings, those oasis meetings and the meetings that you have. He wants you to be able to lay hands on them and see them pray through to the Holy Ghost and give them the revelation of the oneness of God and Jesus' name, baptism. He wants you, 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 you. He wants you to lay hands, you to lay hands on people and see a miracle happen in Jesus' name. He wants you to be able to tell your testimony. He wants you all the time to be ready when somebody has a need you've got an answer because you're prayed through you can't borrow that relationship you can't pick it up I can't, I can't go to brother Chris and say man I gotta, I gotta pray for this guy give me your relationship give me your prayer give me your, your faith it won't work that way if God's gonna use me I gotta get it I got to get it I got to get it. Brother Marcus, you can't, you can't depend on Brother Green. You got to have it. You got to have it. I, I truly believe somebody's getting this today. I truly believe there's some of you there getting what I'm preaching here today. You can't borrow a relationship. You got to get it right now. You got to have it, Brother Jose. You got to have it all the time. You got to have it where you can walk in and somebody cries out to you, I need help. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about pray for them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray for you right now. Deliver this man and see devils come out of people. We got to do it. Austin, y'all have got to do it more than most cities do. There's more devils in this city than you can imagine. People are bound by spirits and demons. They're angry. They're all messed up. And we got to have somebody that has a relationship with God. You got to be men and men and women. You got to walk on the situation with authority and boldness and anointing and faith. Brother Smith, you got it. Come on up here right now. You got it. There's several of you guys that's got it. I've been watching you in the church. I, I've been watching these men. Come on, you got it. You got it. You got it. Come on. Y'all got it. You got it. Come on. You got it. You got it. You got it. Come on. You got it. You got it. You got it. Come on. You got it. You got what it takes. You got what it takes. You got it. I want you to step out by faith. I want you to believe. You got it. Come on. You got it. I want you to, I want you, I want you, if you feel like you got it, to walk up here this morning closing. And I want you to say, God, I got it. 
I got that relationship. I'm not going to have to pray through to be used of you. I'm not going to have to repent to be used of you. I'm not going to have to go make things right to be used of you. I'm not going to have to go ask forgiveness and, and ask somebody to forgive me. I'm going to step out by faith because I got that relationship now. I didn't borrow what I got. I got my own. I didn't borrow it. You're anointed on that music. I, I don't think you realize how anointed you are. You are such a blessing to the kingdom of God. The devil's lied to you many times and told you you weren't valuable, told you you weren't important. He's lied to you and it's hindered your faith. But I want you to break out of that this morning and I want you to have glorious faith. I want you to be used of God in a special way. I want you to realize I've got a relationship that I didn't borrow. I didn't get it from somebody else. It's mine. It's my anointing. It's my power. It's my authority. Brother Hall, you've got it, my brother. Your health has taken away a lot. Your health has hurt your, your enthusiasm and your faith. It's hurt you. But I'm here to tell you God is smiling because He sees your heart. He knows you've got a relationship. And I'm praying, God, give Him the strength and the energy and the healing. Let His faith be healed. Let His body be healed. Let Him reach out with that. I want y'all, if you've got, if you need it, if you need, if you're, if you're wanting this, come up and stand and we'll lay hands on you and you pray. We'll pray for you and you'll get it today. Amen. You'll get it. You'll get your own relationship. You'll get that power. You'll get that authority. You'll get it. You'll get it if you really want it. If you're willing to pay the price, you'll get it in Jesus' name. You'll get it. Receive it. Receive it in Jesus. Receive it. Hallelujah. Receive it in Jesus' name. To her, Lord. Give it to her, Lord. Receive it in Jesus' name. That's it. Yield to what you're feeling there. It's the Holy Ghost. God wants to fill you with His Spirit right now. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Let her feel something she's never felt. Let her receive your Holy Spirit. Give it to her. Let her speak in tongues uh, as the Spirit gives her the utterance uh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, do it, Lord. Pray with her. She's close. She's close. You can have it. 